Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. DJ Manny. Scoop B Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bonds said, yo, the best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tuning in or reading up words from Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B said, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews. He give you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast. The joint and the journalist. The GOATs so why ass. Watch out. If he Watch out. about it, if he naming them. Scoopy.com, do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab. If he say it is gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go. Enough of this talking. This is Scoopy Radio. You're listening to Scoop B Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scoop him. B. At Scoop B. Follow him. Yes, sir. Scoopy Radio is in the building and open for business. This episode of Scoop B Radio is brought to you by Wooter. Make sure that you visit Wooter and use the promo code SNOOP. That's S-N-O-O-P. You will save 20% on your first purchase over at Wooter. Scoop B Radio. Make sure to subscribe on all listening platforms. That would be iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app. Everywhere in between. And I am Brandon Robinson. Follow me on Twitter at Scoop B, Instagram Scoop underscore B, Snapchat Scoop underscore B, everywhere you need to be. This episode of Scoop B Radio features DJ Envy, host of The Breakfast Club, iconic and legendary DJ over Power 105. Spent some time at Hot 97. And the guy is just business savvy, knowledgeable. Checked in with him at Power 105 Studios here in New York City. So DJ Manny L, the producer of the show, cue the tape in five, four, three, two, one. It's Squilly, y'all. Lay some treats on us. This is Scooby Radio. Scooby Radio in your ears, in your aux cord, 
in the studio, in the Breakfast Club studio. I am Brandon Robinson. Follow me on Twitter at Scoop B, Instagram Scoop underscore B, Snapchat Scoop underscore B. Make sure to subscribe to Scoopy Radio on all platforms. It's oh, excuse me, platforms that include iTunes, TuneIn app, or simply Scoop visit ScoopBRadio.com. In the studio right now, familiar guy, DJ Envy. What's up, bro? What's going on? Trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm on that same chase. Well, I got to admit, man, I've been for about eight months mm-hmm. been trying to finally get you in studio. We're here, and I have a confession. What's that? I stole one of your moves. Which one is that? So I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, last year, I had a podcast over played out it called Brown and Scoop, mm-hmm. and we would take a photo in front of the CBS sign, mm-hmm. and I would put my right leg on the back of the wall. Okay. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Where did that come from? Um... You know what? I don't know. I'm at the end of the day, I'm a Queens nigga, and that's just some, some Queen <laughs> shit. And that's that's what it is. I mean, I really don't know. I've been doing it probably since I was a kid. It's just my swag, my style, my thing. You know, I, I didn't really even notice it. People just started pointing it out to me when I was doing it. Well, they say imitation is the finest form of flattery. So that's my that's my tribute to hip hop. Right there, there you go. Appreciate that. You got a new uh, something going out with uh, Fetty Wap right now. Tell me a about new it. New single is called Texture Number. It's uh, my first single off my album. Uh, like I said, it features Fetty Wap, it features DJ Slink, it's called Texture Number. It's off my album, Just a Kid from Queens, that comes out next year sometime. One thing that I found very interesting about you mm-hmm. um, is the fact that you have the balance of being college educated, mm-hmm. you're a Hampton alum, mm-hmm. um, and you have your foot in hip hop. Um, that's rare, someone who's able to balance uh, corporate, street, education, um, education. Right. Why is that so important for someone um, of your stature that's a DJ and hosts hosts a top rated uh, radio program? I mean, I think for myself, I mean, I I don't have my foot in hip hop. I I am hip hop. Like, that's what that's how I was born. Like, I didn't look at it, look at it and be like, oh, I got to get into hip hop. Like, that's how I was raised. Listen to the music. I enjoyed the parties. I enjoyed the clubs, the DJing aspect, the graffiti aspect, the dancing aspect. I just that's how I was raised. It wasn't like I was anything but hip hop, you know? Um, I was just a person that loved hip hop that went to school, got my degree. And then when I graduated, I said, I got to do something that I'm going to enjoy. I was DJing at the time. And I said, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to make money off of it. I didn't have any responsibilities. All I had was a school loan at the time. I didn't have no car, no crib, nothing like that. I lived in my mom's house. I said, I'm going to give it a shot. I ain't had no kids and the rest is history. I got it. I interviewed and featured a couple of years ago was uh, DJ Steph Floss out in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he told me this story about how Juice, the movie Juice, inspired him. And he went and he he basically, his mama wouldn't let him spin in the house. When he got his refund check in college at Ohio State, he bought a, a, a DJ set, mm-hmm. a spin table. Do you have any stories like that? How did you, what what got you beginning to spin? Mine was Clue. I mean, Clue was my neighbor. And I knew Clue as a nesto. Like, we used to ride bikes with each other, play ball with each other. I didn't know he was a DJ. One day I was waiting for the bus going to school and I see them drive by. And at the time he had a, a, a Honda Accord. Honda Accord, when we was kids, that was the BM right then. You know, that was the, your Lexus. That was your, your Mercedes. And he had that. And um, I asked him what he did. And he told me he DJ. And I was like, yeah, all right. I thought he sold drugs. I, you know, at the time, I was, you know, I didn't have no money. I was broke. I just wanted to buy some sneakers. So I was like, all right. He was like, come by my house and, you know, he'll show me. And I went by his house and I seen tons of mixtapes, turntables, CDJs and everything. And right then and there, I said, I'm going to give this a shot. And, you know, I just would call Clue, yo, what turntable should I buy? He would tell me I buy one turntable, you know, save up some more money, buy another turntable, buy records. And then the rest of it, I just started, you know, and I started as a host. I was um, 
an MC. It was DJ Mono and DJ Shrimp was my name, Shrimp. And uh, together we were Envy Productions. Why Shrimp? I was short at the time. I was five two, <laughs> and I was real small. So I was like Shrimp. And uh, what people don't know is together we were Envy Productions. But back in the day, we would stamp the cassette tapes Envy. And um, when my partner, the guy that I that taught me actually how to physically DJ Mono. Stop DJing. We weren't making no money. You know, we were we were just doing it for fun. He stopped stopped doing it. I continued to do it. And when I would hand off the the mixtapes to the Africans, or Jamaica <laughs> Avenue or, or 125th Street, they'd be like, "Oh, you got the new Envy," and the name Envy just stuck, and I just went with it. DJ Envy in studio on Scoop B Radio. You talked about the the journey at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Clue actually on Scoop B Radio a few weeks ago, and we talked about the evolution of the um, the DJ. Right. Um, you look at the Breakfast Club. You have Angela, who's you know who's a manager, who was a manager of someone. You had uh-huh. uh, Charlemagne, who was robbing to somebody's Batman, mm-hmm. and then you have you, who was a DJ. Right. You know, you guys are the underdog. Right. What's next for the DJ? I mean, the DJ will never go anywhere. It's not like you know the DJ is going to be exi- you know non-existent and they're going to have robots spinning. I mean, the DJ still has to feel the crowd. You know, what I mean, just the type of DJ has changed. You know. At first, it was the park DJ. Then it was the mixtape DJ. Then, you know, now it's changed a little bit. Mixtapes don't really matter now because, you know, people, artists do their own stuff. You know, before it was all about exclusives. You know, that doesn't matter anymore. But DJs are still existing. I mean, you look at the radio. You look at clubs. You look at, you still got to go out every night. And you want the DJ to spend the dope of shit. So the DJs are never going anywhere. Just the way of doing it change. You know, like with me, it's just a matter of, you just got to change your platform. You know, I was a mixtape DJ making a lot of money doing mixtapes. You know, I was making twenty, thirty thousand doing mixtapes a month at the age of 20, 21, 22 years old. I knew it was about to end. You yeah. know, I seen it before it happened. So I said, all right, I'm gonna jump in the radio. Some DJs didn't. Scoop you know, you, you can name twenty, thirty DJs that were doing mixtapes back then that you don't know where they are right now because they didn't see it. You gotta foresee everything. And that same thing with them. I went to the radio, I started mixing on the radio. And I was like, all right, everybody's DJing. Well, let me let me stop yelling on the radio and start being a personality. Learn how to interview somebody. Learn how to talk. Learn how to 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 almost be like a point guard. Where I could pass the ball to Charlemagne on one side and then pull it back and then pass it to Angela Yee and, and be able to make a play like that. And you know, it, it's it's foreseeing what the future is. You light skin, so point guard like J. Kidd or or more like a LeBron uh, uh, swingman, like Allen Iverson. That's my favorite player okay. ever. Okay. So. I think it's interesting. It must be a Queens thing because when you look at LL Cool J, mm-hmm. a guy who was marrying on who's on um in the house, right. he was able to transition from hip hop to acting. Correct. Was it someone in your ear? Was it just your foresight? Like what 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 was the the the, the light that came on that said that? I think uh, for myself is I always want next. I always want what's next. I always I always want more. Like even with doing this album, I did an album in two thousand and three, but I wasn't there yet. I was good, you know, we still did 60, 70,000 units, but now I'm in a better position. So now me doing it out means a lot more to the coach. It means a lot more to the people. Same thing with, you know, I owned a sneaker store before, I owned a car wash before. That's cool, but now me owning a juice bar is, 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 I'm in a better position to talk about the juice bar and really do it. I own a soda company. I own so many different companies. I own real estate. There's so many different things that I own that I can really, really profit from. You know, before I was living check to check, now I can... Throw some stuff out there and see if it stick. If it stick, you know, my whole family's great for life. If it doesn't, you know, we'll keep we'll keep pushing. Meek Mill said turning tuna in a lobster, turning uh noodles in the pasta. Mm-hmm. I ran into you mm, about a month ago. You were spinning at a club, um, an album release party. Right. You look tired. Absolutely. I'm always tired. When do you sleep? 
I don't. I take naps. <laughs> That's the truth. I take naps. You know what I mean? I try to get sleep and I take naps. Like I'm not a see, you know, with me, I don't have many hobbies. And the reason I don't have many hobbies is because if I have time for a hobby, I have a time to take a nap. So like some people take flights and they read while on it or like they're on a flight or they listen to music. I don't I go to sleep. You know what I mean? Some people like, you know, they they play video games. If I play video games, I'm playing with my son because it's bonding time. You know what I mean? Because I, I enjoy playing with him. But I'm not going to be at home playing video games by myself. You know what I mean? I really don't even watch TV shows. The only TV show, which is my little guilty pleasure, is Game of Thrones. Other than that, I really don't watch TV. I don't have time. You uh, surely are uh, a guy that has transitioned from DJ to uh, radio. Uh, I, for me, a couple of weeks ago, or really last week, you had Jason Williams um, on The Breakfast Club. I actually, when I was a kid, I interviewed him at 12 years old. Oh, that's dope. Wow. And wow. Um, so for me... Watching just the techniques, um, I think it's interesting that hip hop has kind of gone Barbara Walters in a lot of sense. Um, you're able to get those interviews that everybody wants to see. Did you, when you were starting to do radio and doing interviews with Breakfast Club, ever consult with any other journalists on how to conduct the perfect interview? No, nah, I mean, no, nah, not at all. And I, I think the Breakfast Club has really opened it up for, you know, people outside of the hip hop community to want to do interviews because they see how how far our reach is, how far our arm goes. Um, and now I never reached out to anybody. You know, I always watch and, and see how people do interviews, but here it's a little different. You know, here is is, is kind of like we all have roles. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I know what my role is here. You know what I mean? I know if I if if it's a question that's controversial, it sounds better coming from Charlemagne because that's his character. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, it, it is what it is. Sure. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of like, you know, if if... I could dunk on a player in the NBA and it's like, oh, okay, NBA dunked on a player. But now if if Blake Griffin dunks on somebody, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> it is what it is. That's that's what it is. And, and that's what keeps our show alive. And that's what keeps our show good. You know what I mean? If all three members of the Breakfast Club are all saying things that are controversial, you get to the point where like, I really don't like them because that whole show was negative. But if you get a little bit out of Charlemagne, a little bit out of Yee, a little bit out of me, it keeps a balance and a well-balanced show because there's always somebody that agrees with Charlemagne. There's always somebody that agrees with me. There's always somebody that agrees with Angela Yee. But if we all have the same mentality, there's always going to be somebody be like, nah, I don't fuck with them. I don't like them. You know what I mean? So it's that, that perfect balance that makes The Breakfast Club really, really successful and make everybody want to come on the show and, and gives us that reach. We all grind. Like, we all act like we broke. Like Mayweather. Like Mayweather. Trey's like he's broke. Yeah. The infamous interview with Baby. Mm -hmm. put, put, put some respect on his name. Mm -hmm. Did you how did you guys pre-recorded days before? Was it the day of? What was the process when you guys actually did that interview? Uh, the day before. Okay. A lot of uh, some of our interviews are taped the day before after the show. The reason being is, you know, for the material that we put on air, you know, if if you go to our YouTube page, some of those interviews are an hour and thirty minutes long. Sure. You can't play an hour and thirty minutes on the radio. Mm -mm. So we we tape uh, a day before usually. Sometimes sometimes we go live. It all depends. But Birdman was the day before, and you know. I'm cool. You know, I'm cool with Bird. Birdman sure. tried to sign me twice. Right. You know, um, he called me, told me he was coming on the show, and um, I said, "All right." I said, "You know, it's not going to be hunky dory. You know, it's not going to be sweet." And he said, "No, I don't expect that." And he came up here, and you've seen it from there. If you could have gone back in time and done that interview differently, what two things would you change? I wouldn't change anything on that interview. At all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. You got to think the. the this also proves how big the Breakfast Club is with pop culture. You know, you had people on American Idol saying, "Are oh, you finished? Are you done?" <laughs> you had 
you know, sports analyst and regular TV anchor saying, are you finished? Are you done? That came from a Breakfast Club interview. You know what I mean? You had white kids, black kids, Asian kids, you know, you name it, Spanish, watching that interview. People who might not have known the Breakfast Club watched that interview. Indeed. And that that lexicon to me is so important. I sat down with uh, Keith Sweat mm-hmm. a week after that interview and, and uh, somebody in the studio said something. He said, no, my name is Keith Sweat. You're going to put some respect on my name. You put some respect on my name was something that was probably one of the biggest phrases of the year. You know what I mean? But so to, would I change anything? I wouldn't change any interview that we ever did. I first became familiar with your interviewing uh, when you were at 97 mm-hmm. and you did it in, and when uh, Mace was on the phone okay. and, and uh, Jim Jones called in. Right. How crazy was that interview for you? I mean, it's it's all fun. You know what I mean? Like the thing about it is I know all these artists and, you know, the one thing about me is I'm always out. Mm-hmm. You can always see me out. I'm not somebody that I say something and you don't see me. I'm out. You know what I mean? I run into everybody. I run into Mace. I run into Jim Jones. I run into Floyd Mayweather. I run into all these guys. You know what I mean? So, you know, whatever I say, I got to stand on. How do you draw the line? How do you remain cool and people might not like something someone says or something you say? There is no line. If I feel it, I'm going to ask it. It's just the way that I ask it. You know what I mean? And now if I'm disrespectful with it or or if I step out of line, then, yeah, you know, I need to get checked. Just like if somebody disrespects me, I'm going to check you. But if you ask a question, like you could ask me anything right now during this interview, and it's just how I'm going to ask. But if you ask it in a nasty way, then then there's a line between me being an interviewer and me being a man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But you know, we I haven't crossed that line with, with, with pretty much anybody, truthfully. You know what I mean? I ask what I want to ask. Now, they can say, no, I don't want to answer that question. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, I think that's that's the best part of it. I think a lot of times these people on, on social media, they, they say shit that's a lot of slick and, and disrespectful because they never, they never see that person. You know what I mean? They never got punched in the face to be like, mm-hmm. no, maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, and for me, I always talk to somebody like there's a possibility like you might punch me in the face. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to talk to you like a man. Like, you should talk to me. Once once he gets out of character, then then there's a situation of problem. Scoopy Radio DJ Radio. Envy talking his craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, got it. Linden Avenue is your, is, your, is your hood. Murdoch and Springfield. There you go. So, looking at HBCUs, mm-hmm. did you catch that, uh, the highlights of that Howard game beating UNLV a couple no, of weeks I, ago? No, I, I actually didn't know. I was, I, I was actually out in Vegas, but I didn't see it. 45 points. That's dope. That's underdog. Mm-hmm. Come from nowhere. For you, um, you talked about uh, your son. Mm-hmm. 2K is coming out. I see you playing it around the time when it comes out every year on, on Instagram. Right. Have you been keeping up with those ratings? I actually, you know, I, I don't keep up with none of those. You know, <laughs> My son is telling me, though, the game's out. I'll go pick it up. And then when I play games, I play the teams that I enjoy. Like, even though the, the Knicks might be the suckiest team on, on NBA, I'm, I play with the Knicks. You know what I mean? The Giants might not be that well on, on, on the football. I play with the Giants. It's just, just who I am. I've been doing it as a kid. You know what I mean? And, and, I, and I don't go too far from it. Let's talk about the state of the Knicks. Mm-hmm. You got a hoodie on. Right. Hoodie mellow. Right. Do you think he stays or does he go? If I'm mellow, I would leave. I love mellow. You know what I mean? I, I think mellow... Being in New York, coming to the Knicks is, is bad. I think their management is bad. I think they don't really don't know what they're doing. I don't I like how they pick players. I don't like how they respect their players. But I'm a Knicks fan. I've always been a Knicks fan. I want them to win. I wish we had the right pieces, the right players. Melo trains hard. Melo trains a lot. Melo's 36 years old, still knocking down 25 points a game. So it's not Melo. It's the team. You can't put Melo and then say, okay, we're going to run a triangle offense. It doesn't work with everybody. Everything doesn't work with everybody. You know, I got two sons and three daughters. You know, I, what I do with my 15-year-old, it's not going to work with my 4-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
It's, it's just not different personalities, different way. You know what I mean? I can't treat them the same way. I got to take in each individual situation and break it down that way. If you were mellow and you obviously have the, the option to, to of a no, no trade clause, mm-hmm. where would you want to go? If I was mellow, I would stay. Get that money. It's not even about the money. It's about legacy to me. I think if Melo leaves, his jersey will never get retired. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? And I think Melo deserves for his jersey to get retired. I think he. I. I think if I'm Melo, I would stay in New York. I would try to get those pieces, and I would get my my jersey would be retired in New York. But if Melo goes to Cleveland, who's gonna retire his jersey? Denver, you know, Knicks. Nah, I'll stay here. Try to get those pieces, and, and you know, and, and I would try to get those young pieces. Like the stupid shit that New York does is they get rid of Hardaway, right? And bring him back. Right, but when they got rid of Harden, <laughs> when he was dead nice. Yeah. Nobody said he wasn't nice. Yeah. And then you bring him back and pay him triple the payment. Like, that's stupid. Well, you know, part of that is just the salary cap has increased. And also the the, the contracts, the max contracts but, that got higher. But I, I'm with you. He, he's not a max player. But at the time, you could have gave him a long-term contract and he would have stayed because he needed it. And you would have had a great player playing for the Knicks. And it would have been under that salary cap and got could have got other pieces. But you wind up getting rid of them and bringing them back, like stupid shit like that. I just, I, I just don't understand. I think the Knicks have been cursed ever, Absolutely. ever since they traded Patrick Ewing in two thousand. Yeah, they traded him to the Seattle SuperSonics for Vin Baker. Mm-hmm. That to me was the end. And then you don't, and then on top of it, you don't bring Mark Jackson in as a coach, and you you let him rot. I think at the end of the day, um, I think Isaiah Thomas had good. Um, vision as far as who to draft you look at who he's drafted while he was there just the pieces didn't segment at the time he had a young nate robinson he had a young trevor reza he had a young um wilson chandler but the pieces just didn't segment at that time new york giants right odell beckham is out mm-hmm. can they win without him no why i think odell is more than just a great player you know he's a great piece in that locker room you know what i mean i go to every giants home game me and my son go to every game and he turns up the Giants. Hmm. You know, I'm watching the game when they played last year. I don't know, remember who he was playing against, but he kicked the ball, punted the ball, just kicked it, got a, and, and got a, uh, and uh, they got a penalty. It was 15 yard penalty, right? And people were booing him. He got back on that field, ran for 30. You know, he's that player. He's that player that when you hit him, he's going to keep bouncing off. He's going to keep pushing, and he's going to talk shit in your face. The, the the Giants need that on their team. They don't have that now. Who's who, who's the leader of the Giants right now when he's not there? Eli throwing the ball. That's it. Nah. And snacks on defense. Other nah, than that, nothing. Nah. He's the leader of that team. You know, good, bad, and different. And I fuck with Odell because he goes out. Odell be out in the city. Odell be in the strip club. Odell be in the club. He be fucking with the people. And then he well, it's game time on Sunday. Hip hop to me has evolved. Um, over it's always evolved. But one thing that I like is interesting is we're actually paying attention to our health. Mm-hmm. You talked about the juice bar. You right. look at Jada. You look at Styles P. He has mm-hmm. the juice bar. Fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot. We live in a fatherless generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I admire what you do with your son. How important is fatherhood for you? And where did who do you admire as as a father? I mean, I th- I, I admire my dad. You know what I mean? My dad is is. In my life, always been in my life. Um, I, my mother and father probably been married for probably 40, 50 years. Um, and that's what, I, that's what I admire. That's what I seen. That's what I grew up on. You know what I mean? So for me, yeah, I work a lot. But my kids know I love them to death. And they know that if I'm not there, I'm there. You know, like I'm the parent that I will fly, get on a private jet to get back to my son's game. It ain't about the money. It's about my son knowing 
that his father's there. You know what I mean? Same thing with my daughter. You know what I mean? I'll tell you a funny story. I taught my daughter how to walk in high heels. Not, what? Not that I know how to walk in high heels. My daughter had to go to a Sweet 16, and she was going to the Sweet 16 with my wife. My wife was in the shower. My daughter got dressed, and she had on heels for the first time. And she walked like a robot. I'm like, yo, I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> she, she never knew. So I was like, nah, you can't, you can't walk. Nah, you can't do that. Like, we gonna walk. We, matter of fact, we gonna walk right now until we get it. And I kind of look walk like this. I know, I, I know what I like when I see women walk. Walk like this. And I said, if you get nervous, Matt, act like you. This is at the time when um Bad and Bougie was out. I said, put a song in your ear and act like you walk into that song. Hmm. And she was able to do it. I mean, I didn't put on heels and show her, but we, you know, we went back and forth twenty times. By the time my wife got out the shower, got dressed, they were ready to go. My daughter had it. But that's the type of dad I am. Like nothing, I, I don't. You can't embarrass me, or you can't make me feel a way about my kids. Like nobody can. You know what I mean? You, you just can't. So I will do anything I have to do for my kids. You know what I mean? I'll dress up in a fucking Santa Claus suit if I got to. You know what I mean? And SpongeBob SquarePants if I got to. It don't matter. It's my kids. Scoopy Radio. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn app, ScoopyRadio.com, in studio with DJ Envy. You talk about what's next. Mm-hmm. You're always on the cutting edge of what's next. What's next? Um, of course, the album, Just a Kid from Queens. Um, the podcast, which is the Casey Crew, which is a relationship podcast, which nobody has had a, a married relationship podcast that I've heard of in hip-hop like me and my wife. You know what I mean? Nobody. I think it's one of the first ones where me and my wife talk about everything. You know, we've been together since we were 16. And I don't think there's anybody out there that can talk about a podcast or can talk about a relationship like me and my wife. You know what I mean? We've been through everything from being shot at, my wife being cut, to, you know, us going to college, to us getting married, to all that shit. Like, there's nobody else that can talk about it from cheating to the music industry, to having five kids, to, you know, all that. There's nothing that's off the table with our relationship. And I don't think anybody has been that real in, in ever especially hip hop. I think it's admirable. Um, I, I actually have to thank you because I actually was a contributor from running your website, envythedj.com mm-hmm. for a while. And I think that it's interesting. Um, your manager in June actually mm-hmm. called me and was like, hey, Envy wants to do a podcast. What should he do? I said, he should be himself. I think that that's, I think everybody wants to show that they're themselves mm-hmm. on social media. But I think for you to be a top rated radio host, to make yourself vulnerable, I think that's rare. Most people don't want to do that. Yeah, you know, the, the podcast was never the problem. The problem was always, I, you know, with, with me, I just never know how, you know, and even with doing mixtapes and doing radio and doing shows, I just never know how. Like, you, people people do podcasts. I was like, it's, it's, it's a different language to me. I don't know who I talk to. I said, fuck it. I'm just going to do 10 episodes and put them out. And I, once I put the first episode out, every podcast company was calling like crazy. Same thing with my single. We put it out on a single. We put it out independently. I got about seven labels calling that wants to do work. When I put something out, I put my my heart behind it. I put my ass behind it. I put my back behind it. There's nobody that's going to outwork me. So, and I think people realize that they really, really get it. You record at home. What do you What do you guys do? Record at the crib. Nice. Record at the crib. Nice. The single with Fetty. Mm-hmm. What's different? I mean, I think you can hear what's different. You know, what I mean, and you know, when I put the single out, at first I got a little backlash. It's not an urban record. Like I tell everybody, how are you going to tell me what's urban? You know what I mean? I'm in the club four nights a week. I'm in the dirty strip clubs, DJ. I'm in the bougie clubs. I'm in Vegas. I'm in Miami. I'm in Ibiza. I'm in those clubs. You're not. Not no guy that's behind the desk telling me what's hot and what's not. Because I'm there. You know what I mean? So you can't tell me what's there. And I wanted to do a record that would translate through Ibiza. I want a record that I could play when I'm DJing at the Kentucky Derby 
But then also when I'm in Aces or when I'm in Dr. Caves in Jersey, I can play that same record. And Fetty Wap is that person. Fetty Wap could do a record called Trap Queen, which is all about the trap and make it to pop radio. So why wouldn't I want to use it? Why wouldn't I want that? Last question. If you could name three interviews mm-hmm. that you haven't done on Breakfast Club that you want, who would they be on why? That I haven't done? That you have not done. Um, three gets that you want. No, this is easy. Uh, one would be Oprah Winfrey. Why? Just to see her struggle, where she came from, and how she was able to create that huge, huge conglomerate and, and that have that success. I would definitely love to do that. Second would be Barack Obama. I just want I would love to say, you know, what, what was in his mind as a child that thought he could be president? Because I know when I was a kid, I never thought I could be president. And it was never even an inkling in my mind. You know what I mean? A black kid from Queens, president, something old white men do. So what gave him that, that, that way of thinking, you know? And I think the, the third person would have to be. I don't know who the third person would be. Third person would have been if he was alive, Michael Jackson. Well, um, those are the only two, truthfully. Everybody else, is, they can come or they, they can't. But I would definitely love to do Barack Obama and Oprah Winfrey. What would it take to get both of them? I mean, I think it's timing. I think we will. Okay. I think we absolutely will. I mean, shit. We had Hillary Clinton up here. Whoever would have thought Hillary Clinton would be up here. And yeah, we had the, the you know the, the the minister Louis Farrakhan up here. Who would ever thought that would have happened? He actually came to the studio and did an interview. Like who would ever thought that? What was that like? It was amazing. I mean, you know, the first time wasn't at the studio. It was at the hotel, and I didn't want to do it. You know, just hearing things that he said or, or thought that he said and his ideas and everything. I didn't want to do it. I thought he was somebody I didn't, I didn't want to talk to. I spoke to my wife one day and she was like, you know, you can't worry about what the press says about somebody. Why don't you go do it and meet him and, and interview yourself? And then after doing the interview, it, it enlightened me. And the things that he said, you know, not, like I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I agree with 100% sure. of the shit that he says, but a lot of the stuff that he says is true. And a lot of the stuff as far as building a brotherhood with the black community, I agree and I support. And, you know, I, I love talking to him. It's, it's a great person to talk to. Yeah, I remember as a kid growing up in the 90s, um, him coming on Arsenio. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom telling me, that's why they canceled Arsenio, because he was on. I was like, for real? So there's always been this stigmatism Absolutely. about him. Absolutely. But he's, I think Instagram has made him more profound. Absolutely. And the brothers always support, you know what I mean? And, and that's another thing I think was... People didn't understand, and, and I think people are understanding now. You heard it first, Scoopy Radio, DJ Envy. Brother, an honor. Thank you, bro. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. You're listening to Scoopy Radio. I love it. Hey, everyone. It's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com, and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.